Des Moines. Live from the BMW of Des Moines Sports Desk, it's an X's and O's update on 1460 KXNO. And I'm Trent Condon. A big night in college basketball here in the state of Iowa. Get started at 6 o'clock tonight as 24th-ranked Iowa goes on the road to take on Penn State. The Hawkeyes winners of three consecutive as they face the 0-6 Nittany Lions. You can hear the game on 1040 WHO. 8 o'clock tonight on 100.3 The Bus. It's Iowa State. Also on the road, they take on 8th-ranked Texas Tech. Cyclones looking to bounce back after back-to-back losses to Kansas State and Baylor. And the Missouri Valley Conference play tonight. Drake on the road at Bradley, 7 o'clock. Also a 7 o'clock start for you and I, the Panthers, at home for Indiana State. Tonight on 1460 KXNO, Iowa State women's basketball. The Cyclones on the road to face West Virginia. 5.30 pregame right here. KXNO in your pocket with iHeartRadio on your smartphone. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Hi, welcome back. It's the 11 o'clock hour. Miller and Condon take you until noon. Coming up, David Kaplan will join the program about 11.20. It was taped earlier. Cappy's on the air right now at ESPN 1000. So when we get Cappy and when we get PA on Fridays, it's taped earlier that morning in both cases. So um, if there was a story that would break in Chicago between the time we tape it, well, we'll get to it next week with Cap. But Centurion Stone of Iowa makes it possible for us to uh, speak with Cappy. Uh, Mr. Executive does likewise, gives us an opportunity to have Paul Allen on and PA scheduled to join us on Friday. All right, Trent, Penn State is uh, winless. In fact, I was next to opponents, Penn State tonight in Illinois on Sunday. It's a noon tip, so it will not uh, get in the way of either of the championship games. By the way, weather forecast in Kansas City mm-hmm. improving significantly really? on Sunday. Temperatures up... Uh, yeah, I think the high the first time we saw was going to be about 7. Now yeah. it's 19 degrees does that kickoff. Make, does that make a difference? Well, I think... Still going to be cold. It's going to be cold. Patriots are used to the cold. They are. Patriots are used to January. Very right? true. Tom Brady, most Tom Brady, importantly, is right. his due cold weather. Uh the wind I'm not sure what the winds are what the winds are going to do obviously that's going to play a huge role in the football game if indeed it is a uh, a blustery day out there but apparently the forecast not going to be Ice Bowl was what we heard earlier. I mean, not as bad, but uh, this will come close to it. I don't think that's going to be the case. All right, let's take a look at Penn State. It was 0-6. I watched them play Nebraska a couple of weeks ago, Mm -hmm. uh, start to finish. Nebraska did not play well in that No, they didn't. And uh, Nebraska's, I don't know what it is about this team. Uh, That's, as we said yesterday, I think you're going to look back at this Hawks schedule. Mm -hmm. Who knows where it'll end. Hopefully it ends with 10 wins or 11. Yeah. and look at that win over Nebraska as a real nice win. I mean, it was a real nice win where it fit on the schedule. It was must-win uh, territory because they'd lost two straight. Nebraska just blew Indiana out the other night. I mean, just blew them out. Here's Penn State's losses in Big Ten play. All right, you ready for this? We'll go back to, was it late November, early December when we uh, when the, we had that two-game set to launch us into conference play, and I'm glad that they do it that way. It's um, I think it's a really good idea. But their first two games were at Maryland, who's top four. Yeah. Fernando, player of the week again. Indiana, good basketball team. They played them to a uh, – they lost by two to Indiana. 
Uh, then they finished up non-con before the Big Ten rolled around again. And here's their slate of their last four games, of which they're winless, obviously. They've lost six straight. Uh, Michigan, Wisconsin, Nebraska, Michigan State. Trent, I just reeled off <laughs> top six teams in the Big Ten. There's no Rutgers. There's no, no Illinois. No. Northwestern's not on the list. Not even really the mid-league teams. No. That's about as difficult of a draw as you could draw yeah. for a Big Ten team. That's why I'm taking a cautious approach to this four straight, uh, four game winning streak. If they were to, you know, pick this one off tonight, this would be a nice win. A, it's on the road. Yep. As you mentioned earlier, and I think Leistikauer or Emmert wrote about it in this morning's register, it has not been kind uh, to Iowa uh, over the last few years. This is a this is a better Penn State team, I think, than their record indicates. I think that's fair, and this is a team that is built inside. And as we await, and there's nothing definitive yet on Tyler Cook, mm-hmm. and I guess we're not going to hear anything until late into the afternoon, uh, one way or the other, if he's going to play. But with that, this is a team with some good guys inside. Lamar Stevens, who's been around for a while. Yep. Watkins, nice player. Thick, mm-hmm. strong. And Scott Dockerman from The Athletic just told us, is a physical team. They play physical. They play with their hands on you. That's not exactly the kind of game that's good for Jordan Bohan. Is Penn State to the Big Ten what West Virginia is to the Big 12? Different kind of styles, but that physical, physical nature. Physical, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah the absolutely. physical aspect of it. Yeah, I, I think that's a good way to put it. If you're playing with... Uh, what, what are you looking at inside if Cook doesn't go tonight? we got to have... Kreener's got to have a big nine. It's and, Kreener. And he, look, he's answered Garza. the bell. And Garza, yes. And... But I expect Garza to fill that role. Yeah. I didn't expect Creener to be thrust into the role that he's, and he's answered the bell. Yes. I mean, he's got a little chip. Mm-hmm. I like that about him. I like the nasty spell. Garza, the same way. Um, and do you, I mean, I don't think Tyler Cook's going to, I mean, Sunday, you gave, sent me a text and said, oof. I think it was a one-word hearing- text. Oof. No, it was, it was woof. Woof and surgery. Surgery, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'd heard at that time. And of course, surgery is not. What's happening right now for him? If Creener or Garza is in foul trouble, and you're playing this big front line of Penn State, are we seeing Riley Till out there again? You're going to have to. And but what, you can't, are you, are you going to see McCaffrey um, acquiesce to your way of thinking? Where if you do pick up two fouls in the first twenty minutes, you almost you have can't. to. You have to, mm-hmm. and especially if things are getting away. That's what's always annoyed me with Fran McCaffrey and his two foul participation, you know, idea that. Well, not playing the rest of the first right. half because the game, you can lose the game at the end of the first half. Oh, but now our big guy has three fouls to work with. Well, mm-hmm. guess what? You're down 18. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And if that's happening again, you just can't go down that route. He, he, he has to reverse uh, his way of thinking tonight, Trent, if that's the case. 326 in the country, Iowa, in two foul participation this year. Wow. There's a number for you. That is. Uh, big spot, difficult spot tonight. This is and, not going to be easy. And another way that Iowa can go here is they say, all right, you're going to be big, but what we're going to do, we're going to pack it in. We'll play one of the bigs, not the guys together, Garza and Kreener. One of those guys will be out there, and we're playing Weiss Camp at the four at times. Mm-hmm. We're going to play a lot of zone that way, and then we're going to run you. And we're going to get up and down the floor, and we're going to try to outscore you. The problem with that, Penn State, not only how good that front line is, just overall, is a really good defensive team. Uh, Metric-wise, they're one of the top 20 teams in the country in defensive efficiency. So if this is a team you think you can outscore, that's going to prove to be a little bit more difficult, What's too. What's the number? It was one yesterday. I haven't looked yet today. Iowa favored one? Yes. Let me bring up 
the current odds across the board over yeah, at our... Find Iowa State, Texas Tech while you're looking to All right. You, please. Bring up Vegas Insider, our friends over right. there. That was five yesterday. That was the it opening was five. line. It was five or five and a half even. Five, some five and a half came up so, yesterday. Yeah. All right. Scrolling through. Penn State one and a half. It right. was Penn State one yesterday. Okay. Makes so sense. Penn State one and a half there. Scrolling down to Iowa State, Texas Tech, five and five and a half out gotcha. there. So not a whole lot of movement. Uh, Going to be a tough spot tonight. All right, mm-hmm. let's switch gears. Lindell Wigington. I thought Dylan Montz made it just a fabulous point when he joined us on Monday uh, that this is Brad. This is uncharted ter- territory for Lindell Wigington. At least we believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, a kid this good, a kid who had NBA flirtations in, in big way, a kid who grew up in Canada. Uh, I know he played some um, high school stuff down here. Before uh, it wasn't just a Canadian resume before he got to. Ames. But this kid, I have to think, and we both feel the same way, has never come off the bench in his life. Right. This is completely new to him. And he's been out of sorts. I wonder if Steve Prohm realizes that he has to get this kid going tonight and perhaps has to get him going by inserting him into the starting lineup. I'm I'm coming to, I'm at a point right now, Trent, I'll be surprised if Prohm doesn't start him. And there's been no indication, at least that I've seen, that that's going to be the way it happens. Mm-hmm. I think Prom realizes this. Look, this coming off the bench thing has not worked. I think he's got to start him tonight. And Halliburton is the one you put to the bench, or is it Taylor Horton Tucker? I mean, who's been better in Big 12 play? That's an easy answer. It's been very easy. It's been an easy answer. So you're going with the three-guard lineup, basically three guys that can play the point for you. And again, Texas Tech, as we talked about with Penn State, this is an even better defensive team. This is the number one team in the country at Ken Palm and defense. You know who I want to see this team, Texas Tech, play? Would, uh, would you pay to see Virginia, Texas Tech go at each other on the defensive end of the floor? First one to 40? I was going to say 50. But I get your point. I get you. You look, Virginia impressed the heck out of me last night. Yeah. They're a good basketball team. They're the best Ty team. Ty Jerome, I've seen. Kyle yeah. Guy. Yeah. No, they got some guys. Salt, the big kid in the yeah. middle. Yeah. Uh, Dia. Dia Kite, I believe is how you say his name. He had the best of nights last night. That uh, five foot nine, that uh, oh spark plug off the bench, Clark. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a big night last night. Yeah, Virginia's got some guys, but uh, no. So I, Texas I, Tech. To, to answer your question, though, I don't think I want to see that game. Don't you want to see that game? <laughs> I think it would just be too ugly to actually wrap my mind around two great defensive teams. It, it's a great point by the Dylan, though, and a guy that has mm-hmm. never done this before, never gone. And they're just certain guys that. They're not good off the bench. And there's certain guys that are good off. I mean, I remember back Lamar Odom, what, eight, ten years ago. He was better off the bench. Just a, a guy that could come in right away. We both think Nicholas Bear's better off the bench. Nicholas Bear, yes. And though he has starter type minutes, mm-hmm. he's better coming in off that role. There's certain guys just wired differently. And it appears that is certainly the case, could be the case with Lindo Wigington. He's never been off the bench. No. Never I mean, you can go life. back to I mean, AU basketball in third uh, uh. grade. Think he was coming off the bench? No, Nova Scotia. No, <laughs> I'm surprised they found five guys to, to put uh, to put on the uh, court with them against them. Nova Scotia basketball. It's a long way uh, from uh, from Ames to Nova Scotia. That's uh, well fascinating. We'll talk to Eric Heff coming up here in about a half an hour. He'll be at shoot around. Maybe he'll have some inside information. Maybe a little intel on the starting yeah. lineup tonight. We will certainly ask Eric Heft in a half an hour. I like Iowa State tonight. You do. I like them getting that five, five and a half. Mm-hmm. Do you like them to win outright? <sighs> That's tight. I, I think this this is going to be decided, though, the last two minutes of the game. I hope you're right. I think it's that kind of game. I think mm-hmm. you will see an inspired effort out of Iowa State. I think they bounce off the mat. That kind of out-of-nowhere loss. Kansas State's good. 
good defensive team, but good. But there was, nobody was, envisioned that Saturday. No, no, no. This was Wade's first game back in, mm-hmm. uh, and he was the preseason Big Twelve Player of the Year. Um, Stokes was terrific. Uh, Brown was unbelievable. Boy, Brown's had a nice year. Brown has had a nice year. I think Culver right now is the Player of the Year mm-hmm. in the conference, and we'll see him tonight. But uh, we'll see. You know what? The other Iowa State story that's out there is uh, football related. Uh, no spring game for Iowa State this year. You know what? Does it matter? I mean, it matters I think to it the does. hardcore fans. It Do, does. Does it? I mean, it's an opportunity to get back to to Jack Trice Stadium in the middle of April. You get to see some of your friends. But I don't know what you do. You tailgate a little bit. You get to see them. Are you Are you going to miss much, though? Well, you will. And, and I think you miss a portion of the fan base. Look, the people that listen to Sports Talk Radio... They know the ins and outs. They read the stories. They read everything mm-hmm. from Dylan Mons and Travis Hines. So, where are you going? Families, an opportunity for families to go, maybe that normally couldn't? It's not just families, but that is still a niche. Though, of the 62,000 people at the stadium, how many of those are the hardcore read everything, listen to everything, or on the message boards? On any given Saturday, you mean? It's, it's not the percentage that you think, and you're taking away, say, it's a quarter of it. Those three quarters that don't do that, but this is their one opportunity to see the team, the one opportunity to to see that backup quarterback, mm-hmm. to see a Real Mitchell for the first time. Mm-hmm. Those people, which is a big percentage, they don't get that opportunity. I, th- I think you do lose something there. It doesn't have to be a game. We Iowa hasn't had a game in twenty years, right? Right. But go through there. So let do the you people think, like what are you saying? An open practice? There or you something? go. Yeah, I think you've now. Now there's where we'll agree that I think that. Iowa State would be well served by letting the fan base see something. Sure. Right? I mean, here selfishly, for both Iowa and Iowa State, we're going to miss that hero of the spring game. Sure, yes. The buzz guy that we'll talk about May, June, and July, and then... You know, we'll get we'll get a better look at our better uh, inkling and in how the team's going to match up, or um, and then we won't talk about them. Again. And we'll overrate them, and <laughs> right. then we won't even see by the field. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I hope that they do something. I'm sure they will. Look, that this is a very PR savvy institution. We're talking Absolutely. about here. They get it, and um, I'm sure there'll be something. The spring game that's not going to be played. I, you know, I'm not going to get all shook up about it. So does this open up an avenue? A year ago, Iowa, for the first time in five years, didn't have the, the open practice. Valley Stadium? I know yeah. where you're going here. Does that make them come back? Do they seize on that opportunity? Because they had a clinic, and they invited uh, high school athletes from mm-hmm. around the area to come in, and all the coaches were here, and a few of the players, and they went through drills and different things like that. So they were here, but it wasn't the open practice. Do they load up the four buses again and say, Let's go do this again over at well, Valley Stadium. What was Stadium. the excuse last year? Logistically, it was just too difficult to pull off, right? Couldn't make it work, and they decided instead to go that avenue and, mm-hmm. and do the coaching clinic thing instead. You would think, and again, Iowa has tried to reach out, and they've worked to rebuild things here in central Iowa. There's a perfect opportunity. Mm-hmm. When Iowa State would normally have their spring game, or as they've done in the past couple weeks before, do something here in Des Moines. I loved it. It was great. I mean, it's... a Three minutes away from my house, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. get over there and, and see the Hawkeyes and be able to watch them up close. I, I thought that was always really cool. Attendance-wise, it, it varied. It depended on the weather more than anything. Right. You know, who would show up for it, and it's April in Iowa, you never know. But 
I think that there's an opportunity again for Iowa to get back in and, and do something here in Central Iowa. Yeah, I, I think they both. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they both do. Iowa State, um, again, was, was they canceled their game last year due to the weather, as you recall. Uh, that was a precursor of things to come as yeah. you think back. Wow. Um, we'll see. They, they've, they've got to do something, and they will. They will. They get it. I'm, I, I would be surprised if, uh, if Iowa State doesn't do something to, uh, uh, to accommodate their fans that want to see the football program. And let's face it. I mean, the football team, uh, the football program right now is at, uh, at a level uh, that we haven't seen ever, ever. Yeah. I mean, fans are buying in. They've always bought in. <laughs> yes, they have. Now they're getting uh, a return on their investment like they've never got before. Uh, David Kaplan is going to join us next. Cappy, Trent, and I will go around Chicago sports. Uh, lots to talk about. We'll do some, obviously, a lot of Cubs. We've got to ask him. I guess this weekend is the Cubs caravan. The Cubs, Cubs Fest, Cubs Fest. That's what it is. Their big event where mm-hmm. they and they got a ton of people. Didn't somebody get on stage last? It was Wilson Contreras. Do you remember Contreras no. when he addressed the fans at Fan Fest? Was it the year after the World Series won, or was it last year? Win rather, or was it last year? Drop some f bombs. Oh. Do you remember that? Well, get a little liquored up, throw a few F-bombs. Well, I wouldn't think that that was the case, but... Oh, I've been to the Twins one before. Yeah, but a player in the middle of the day? Yes! Day drinking again, Ken. It's a great thing. I guess. Um, I need to make my way back up to Minneapolis. It, it is a lot of fun. So the Twins do this as well? Yeah, yeah. They have their Twins Fest. In fact, one is uh, I think theirs is a weekend following. Uh, theirs will be up there, and then... Yeah, you, you go to some bars afterwards, and you talk to the beat writers and former players. It's always really cool. Uh, we will talk to Eric Heft in about 25 minutes. We will ask Eric. He's going to be at shoot-around. Uh, we'll ask him what he thinks about Lindell Wigginton. Should he, will he, be inserted into the starting lineup tonight? If I had to bet on it, I would say yes. And he'd probably get plus money at the kind of casino. We would. Yeah, plus 125. Uh, that's even a better reason to bet on it. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back. Cappy joins us next. Miller and Conn, and glad you're with us. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Sports Radio in Iowa starts and ends right here. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. All right, welcome back. Uh, continuing on here, a lot of basketball conversation. Uh, both teams, all of the teams uh, uh, on the uh, hardwood tonight. Uh, we'll uh, get out of here with Iowa and Iowa State coming up here. But right now, David Kaplan, as we head to Chicago, he's brought to us by our friends at Centurion Stone of Iowa. As we talk Chicago sports with Kaplan, we're grateful to do so. One of our favorite segments of the week. Cap, Trent, and Ken, thanks for coming on. How are you, David Kaplan? I'm good. What's up, boys? How you doing? Uh, lots of ground to cover. Want to do some Bears? Want to do some uh Bulls with you. Let me ask first of all about Vic Fangio, who had you know, he had a lot of pieces, Cappy, a lot of really um, good players that he was able to bring the best out. Or, I mean, is it going to be a drop off going to Pagano from from uh, Vic Fangio, who's now the head coach of my Broncos? But uh, how big of a drop off do you think defensively this will be? No longer having Vic Fangio at the helm. Um. I don't think it's going to be a humongous drop-off. I don't. I really believe they loved Vic Fangio, would love if he had stayed, but they're also going to all take the approach of, well, this gives us a chance to be more aggressive. So I think you might see more blitzing out of Chuck Pagano than you saw out of Vic Fangio, whose club, by percentage of plays on the field and percentage they blitz, blitz the least of any team in the National Football League. So... I think there is, you know, some we're wishing Vic well. We 
still have him as our DC if he hadn't gotten that job. But we're also excited to see what Chuck Pagano could do with a really talented roster. So your thoughts on Chuck Pagano, a guy that as a head coach certainly had his issues in Indianapolis, but is known as a defensive guy. What he's going to do and what changes maybe anticipate seeing with the Bears defense with him taking over? I do think you'll see more blitzing. I mm. would be surprised if this team doesn't blitz more next year. Don't forget you've got a player in Roquan Smith who is going to be in training camp and in OTAs and probably isn't going to start the season with a pulled hamstring because he was coming off of having not gotten any of that work post-draft because of his holdout. So that's one thing. Same thing for Khalil Mack, who was not in OTAs, not in training camp, joined the Bears, what, the week before the Green Bay game, and so they had to monitor that. So those things, I think, are going to be big factors. Now, Adrian Amos, Bryce Callahan are free agents. Are they going to get them re-signed or sign suitable replacements? That's up to Ryan Pace as he tries to work through his available cap space, which right now is $20 million. That could jump a little bit more if they get rid of Deion Sims. If they don't make a move on somebody else, that's where that number will sit, about probably somewhere 22 $23, 24000000 million in space. Maybe they restructure somebody. So I think as they start to figure out what they're going to do, I think you're going to see this team more aggressive, but I also think you're going to see them insanely talented again. I do, too. What was the reaction, Cappy, yesterday? I guess I was in that same uh, Ryan Pace press conference. Beg your pardon, not yesterday. Uh, back on Monday, uh, when Ryan Pace has his press conference. And Kareem Hunt, the you know, he led, led the league as a, as a rookie. He was having a really nice season again. Uh, and then the uh, domestic abuse issues uh, become public. Kareem Hunt's probably going to get another opportunity. At least you would think that um, you know somebody's going to take a chance. I don't see this being a Ray Rice situation. Maybe it will be, but Ryan Pace and the Bears would not rule out um, at least Kareem kicking the tires on Kareem Hunt. What was the reaction to that? Uh, I think it was mixed. We did that topic on my radio show today. And look, I have been clear. I said it with you guys. I've said it on my various platforms. That if Addison Russell, who has never met the media since all this started, he has never looked in the camera and said, I did this, this, and this. Mm. All he has said is, I accept the punishment, I apologize for the problems in my marriage. He's never looked in the camera to a media question and said, yes, I hit my wife. If he indeed did what is alleged, then I have been clear. He would never wear Cubs uniform for me again. I stand beside him as a organization if I was the Cubs, and make sure he got therapy. I was there for his wife if she needed therapy, and I try to help two people moving forward with their lives to be better people, especially, obviously, on Addison's end. That said, I also believe in second chances for people. I don't believe Addison Russell, but Russell then should be banned for life, and I don't believe Kareem Hunt should be banned for life if he completes a rigorous, battery of therapy, counseling, understanding how horrific what he did was so that it never happens again. But to cast him aside and go, you're banned for life, you're a loser, beat it, never want to hear from you again, that's just not how I was raised. I was raised that try to be part of the solution. Can you save this guy? Now, he's looking at a suspension, so number one, you're not going to have him for probably at least 
the first six games of next year, if not all next season. So where is he 12 months from now? Where is he next October, November, if he is then allowed to play? Do his doctors come out and go, look, this guy didn't take it seriously, and we've got real concerns? Or do his doctors come out who are you know, not league doctors, these are you know, doctors that are separate from the NFL, come out and go, he's a different human being. He has gone through rigorous therapy, and they do testing, and they say he's a different human being, and we think we may have rehabilitated someone. Yeah, then I'm all for somebody giving him a chance. Cody Parkey, the name, continues to linger, including over the weekend when 101 participants tried to do the Cody Parkey challenge, and a bunch of them fell on their ass. What year was that? Goose Island. Goose Island. Goose Island. that, That was excellent. Still, it lingers here. You know, Ryan Pace has done an excellent job of building this team up drafting at a high level. You look at the draft that he just had. Could you see them looking in the draft direction for a kicker, or do you think it's going to be a veteran, a free agent that they're going to go after after they uh, cut away Cody Parkey? Uh, I think that they will take a look at a veteran kicker because, you know, I told you they have $20 million in cap space. Well, that $20 million includes, excuse me, the money already spent includes Cody Parkey's money. Mm. So it's not as though oh, my God, they're going to have to add his money you know, to that and then pay a kicker, so you know, potentially six, seven, eight million million off that cap number. His money's already accounted for. So for one year, which is all he's got left on his guarantee, let's assume it's Robbie Gold, and you pay him $4 million. So then you've got seven and a half tied up in the position, but only four of your 20 to 24 or $5 million that you've got available might be worth it on a team that thinks they can win the Super Bowl next year. Mm. David Kaplan is our guest, ESPN 1000, NBC Sports uh, Chicago. Uh, Cap, I want to continue down the money road with the millions, but I want to move to baseball. And as we're seeing, you know, Machado's out there, and of course Bryce Harper is out there. Is there going to be a, in our lifetime, Cap, I, re- I remember, and I'm, I know you remember, when Kirby Puckett signed for $3 million back with the Twins in the early, no- oh my God, are you kidding me? Three a million? baseball player? A fish making three million. Are we going to see a, $400 million contract in our lifetimes cap, a shudder to think a half a billion dollar contract. Is that where we're heading or is that too much? Uh, look, in our lifetime, if God willing, we live for quite a while. Yes, I think you probably will because with Major League Baseball having BAM, Baseball Advanced Media, and it's such a cash cow. I mean, it's a crazy amount of money they bring in worldwide from their investments on the internet, yeah, the money's just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Streaming is bringing in big money. So it's not going to be like it was when we were kids where you ran home and watched WGN TV for free Mm -hmm. and got whatever games you wanted and each city had their local package. It's just not the way it's going to be. It's going to be available in a variety of different ways. So I think the money's going to get bigger, and guys are going to demand a bigger piece of the pie. And as I had one MLB executive say to me, I would not sign either of these guys, Machado or Harper. Mm. They're just not my kind of players. Wildly talented, yes. My kind of players, no. But if Mike Trout was a free agent, I'd go to $400 million to get him. Mm. That's how much I like him. So if you got people already talking about like that, yeah, they'll blow through every salary cap that we've ever heard of. 
Uh, Brewers had the best record in the National League after after Buck sixty two was the Cubs and the Brewers were tied, but we know that tiebreaker went. Um, have the have the Brewers or the Cardinals made better moves this off season? At least as we sit here in mid January. I mean, which of those two? Which of those move? two? Yeah, which of the two teams the Cubs seemingly will have to? I'll finish again. The Brewers or the Cardinals? Who've had, who's had a better off season? Yeah, I'm going to say the Cardinals have. They got Andrew Miller, who I like a lot. If his knee is healthy, he's a really good player. So that's one. Yep. And two, they got Paul Goldschmidt. Right. So I think, yeah, their moves are better than Yasmani Grandal and a couple of cosmetic moves that the Brewers made. They still, need, for me, need to go get a horse of a starting pitcher. Cap, final thing for me. Basketball in the state of Illinois, in the Chicago land area, Line I are terrible. Northwestern mm-hmm. isn't very good. Loyola had the bump last year, but... It's the MVC, and they're kind of middling along. And, of course, the Bulls are terrible. What is going to drive basketball conversation in Chicagoland, if anything? Can the Bulls go out and show that their young kids are good and play well, but in the end, like tonight against the Lakers, or excuse me, uh, I don't know when they play Lakers, maybe it's Wednesday night they got the Lakers, that they lost. In the end, did they lose? Because you've got to do everything you can to try and get Zion Williamson. This is a team that right now, every day they get blasted in the Chicago media, by the fan base on social media. You have got to find a way to go out and get a shot of adrenaline into the franchise. Because I don't think you're getting Kevin Durant in free agency. (laughs) I don't think you're getting Kawhi Leonard in free agency. So can you get Zion Williamson, who's got this cult-like following out of Duke and has since he was in high school? If you can, now you're back. You are at least relevant again. You add to your young core, and then you see if you can go get, whether it's Kemba Walker, Chris Middleton, one of the next level down free agents who are still really good players. If you told me, hold on a second now, I could trade Zach Levine and Wendell Carter Jr., or I could trade Zach Levine and something to go get a star I've got Zion Williamson, I've got Lowry Marketing, I've got Kemba Walker or Chris Middleton. All of a sudden now I'm starting to put a core together and I got those other guys still to trade to get another good play. Hmm, interesting. Hey Cap, twenty seconds left. Boylan uh, got they, they they gave him more money. A lot of Bulls fans got really upset. You're you have a different take on this. Yeah, Jim Boyd, look, he was the assistant coach. If they said to you guys, hey, guess what? We're moving you to morning drive radio. We're going to promote you. You're going to be the lead show. Well, okay, how much are you paying me? <laughs> because if I'm working middle of the day, that doesn't pay anywhere near as much because advertising isn't that right. much. They, he went from the assistant coach to the head coach. He was making eight-something as the assistant. He's now making 1.6 as the head coach, which is one of the cheapest salaries for a head coach in the NBA. I don't understand people freaking out about this. And then he said, I'm going to get my head kicked in. You want me to change the culture? You've got to guarantee next year for me. And they said, well, we can't guarantee you're going to be the coach, but we'll guarantee a million of your 1.6 because we're going to pay 850 or 875 next year anyway if you were the assistant, so we're in. Mm-hmm. This is such a non-story. And this was agreed to back in December. It happened to leak out the night after they lost by 200 to the Warriors, (laughs) and everybody freaked out. Yeah, good stuff. Cappy, great stuff as always, pal. We'll talk to you next Wednesday. You guys have a great Wednesday. Thank you, buddy. Take care. David Kaplan.
ESPN 1000, NBC Sports. Brought to NBC Sports Chicago, 665 on your DirecTV dial. got it? The home of high school championship football, basketball, wrestling in the state of Iowa. I don't want to go there. Uh, Centurion Stone of Iowa, Trent, check them out. That's the website. they got a really great website. you got to go on there. Uh, tell them about your project, Stone Veneer. Check out the showroom as well. It is spectacular. Uh, it's all over our condo out front and uh, in both fireplaces, the one upstairs, the one downstairs, from the, the floor to the ceiling. It adds a remarkable touch to any home project. Centurion Stone of Iowa makes it possible for Trent and I to bring David Kaplan to you, and we're grateful for that. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back. We'll continue on your final segment of a Wednesday edition. Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. This is Iowa State Athletics Director Jamie Pollard, and you're listening to Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Thank you, Jamie. Welcome back. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, Timely Trent. We've got Eric Heft uh, standing by to join us. But before we do that, it's time to pay your bills with 1460 KXNO and EKG Golf. Text the keyword JOCK, J-O-C-K, to 200-200 right now for your chance to win $1,000. That's JOCK to 200-200 right now. Message and data rate supply. He's the color analyst for football and men's basketball. He's... I just hit the wrong button, Trent. Sorry. Oh, I'll get him back. I know you will. I do that once a month. I hit the drop instead of the air button. So we'll uh, re-engage with Eric Heft. First question for Eric Heft. Make some news. Glendale Wiggington starting rotation tonight. Does Wiggington start? My bet. Big spot tonight. Three straight, uh, potentially, in the loss column. Uh, and you hate to have that third game after losing two straight and against arguably the best team in the conference. Uh, let's get Eric back in here. Eric, my bad. I hit the wrong button. Uh, how are you, Eric Heft? Oh, I'm good. You got some fancy new equipment at your new digs? <laughs> well, I, I'm reacquainting myself with this okay. equipment and happy to do so. Grateful to do so, by the way. Hey, Eric, um, we had Dylan Montz earlier in the week from the Ames Tribune, who I know you know. I thought sure. he made a really good point on Lindell Wigington. And we were just spitballing. Um, he probably never come off the bench in his life, right? I mean, you think about where he grew up in Nova Scotia, and Lindell Wigington, I'm assuming, was the best player on you know 99% of the teams, maybe 90% of the teams he's ever played on. Would that be something that might give him a spark? Would you be shocked if uh, Lindell Wigington starts tonight? Uh, I'd be surprised, um, but yeah, you know, whether it would be a good idea or not. I mean, I think if anything right now is open for open for debate. I think it's, that's fair. Uh, as far as him being the best player, you got to consider he played with three McDonald's All Americans sure. for two years at Oak Hill. So, right, uh, but prior to that in Nova Scotia, he was for right. sure. <laughs> I, I haven't heard too many great Nova Scotians right. in terms of hoops. Yeah, Sidney Crosby's the only one I know, and he plays a winter sport, but it's an entirely different one. For my favorite team, by yeah, the way. Indeed, yes. Yeah, so, anyway, uh, you know, I don't think it's time to press the panic button. You've lost two games that you easily could have won. Uh, obviously, for Iowa State to reach the heights they want to reach, I, I think it's important that Lindell get back to being at least Lindell of last year, if not better. And I don't think he's played with a lot of confidence. Mm-hmm. I think if you look back, though, at the Kansas State game, I think, I think what Steve did 
He played the final, what, 14 minutes? Mm-hmm. Never came out. I think, and Talon, at the expense, in part, of Talon Horton Tucker, who, who didn't play the last 13 or so minutes of the game, uh, I think they were trying to find a way to get him going. So, uh, certainly, that's, I think everything's all on the table right now, but uh, I think the way Iowa State's going, I, they're not ready to quite uh, take that big a jump yet, in my opinion. You mentioned Talon Horton Tucker, and there's been some struggles for him. What's it going to take in your mind to to get him back going, be the guy that we saw back in November in Maui when he was playing at a high level throughout the non-conference? What's going to take for THT? I think it's a matter of, of, for him, being really confident about his decisions. You know, I thought early in the year his decision-making wasn't great. I thought it improved. And now I, I see maybe a little too much thinking. I think he's got to get back to instinctive basketball. And I think you're going to have to live with a bad decision every now and then. Uh, but obviously you need to get him going. Now, Iowa State's not hitting on all cylinders right now. And I think another guy, too, is Cam Lard is in that same mode. Mm-hmm. I think he's trending in the right direction. Hopefully he may be able to play tonight. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he played some. Uh, but I like what I'm seeing from him. But those three guys, I think, are real X factors for Iowa State moving forward if they're going to achieve some of the things that they have out in front of them. Mm, Condit, you had to like what you saw from him. Even though the game didn't go their way, he was really good against K-State. He was. You know, has there been a game where he's played that he hasn't been good? You know, I mean, I think he just, he's a very cerebral guy. He understands uh, his role. He knows what he can't do. uh, And and he has a good idea what he can do. One of those things, he has a natural knack for blocking shots. It certainly helps that he's tall. There are a lot of tall guys (laughs) that aren't good shot blockers, but... Uh, George is one of those guys who is a great shot blocker and a great teammate. We're talking right now with Eric Heft as we take a look at Iowa State. Condit, uh, you, you mentioned him and a big guy that seems to be maybe coming into his home later on. One guy I always wonder about is Aron Talley. Had the suspension early on. Do you think there's a role that he could carve out going forward for the rest of the season? Well, maybe. You know, uh, I, I'll say one thing for Zoran. I think he's been. He's being a good teammate, even though he's playing a couple minutes a game right now. Uh, another injury happens, you know, which certainly could be in the cards the way things have gone around not just Iowa State, but the, the league as a whole. Uh, he could carve out that role. But uh, I think Iowa State has enough skill guys right now uh, and guys who can make shots. And Duran is not a shot maker from the perimeter. And I think it's going to be big for Iowa State moving forward. They're going to have to be a little more consistent beyond the arc. Uh, Eric Heft is our guest. Eric, the the Big Twelve, um, Kansas, nice win over Texas. Texas had a chance. I'm sure you watched it on uh, on Monday night to pick them off right at the buzzer. Um, Oklahoma off to a nice start, but the one that surprised when you look at the standings in the in the Big Twelve, West Virginia just struggling the way that they are after really having putting you know four or five really nice years together. It's just a different year for Huggins, isn't it? Well, it is. You know that. I don't think there's a player in this league missed more than Javon no Carter. I mean, he was the heart and soul of that team and the heart and soul of what they wanted to do defensively. I mean, he was such a relentless uh, defender and he, everybody kind of bought in. You know, he had help too. It wasn't just him, but they lost a couple of, you know, Daxter Miles as well. And their guard plays just, just awful right now. And that just won't cut it in this league or probably about any other league. But there have been a lot of surprises. Who would have thought Texas Tech, losing what they lost off that team a year ago, would be the lone unbeaten team in the league? And TCU lost some really key pieces, mm-hmm. too, and they're playing really well. 
You know, Eric, uh, as you look at Texas Tech, they are the only undefeated team remaining in conference play in the Big 12. As you look at the Red Raiders, what is it about this squad? It's not it's not as talented a team as Kansas. I don't even know if they're as talented as Iowa State. But what Chris Beard has done, done developing this program, the way these guys play, especially on the defensive end. Oh, they're great defensively. I mean, if you look through four games in the Big 12, I mean, their stats are, are, are not very good in some areas. For example, their assist-to-turnover ratio is .7. I mean, they're turning it over way more than they're assisting. Uh, they're, they're shooting 28% from three. They're getting out-rebounded by six. Uh, so what are they doing right? Uh, they're making other teams really uh, work for every opportunity they get. And they've made plays down the stretch in games. Every game has really, uh, with three or four minutes to go, could have gone either way. Uh, some teams find a way to get that done. Sometimes it's luck of the draw, but I have to think there's a certain toughness factor for these guys that has been really impressive so far and probably will continue to be because I think Chris Beer is just kind of that guy at the helm. Mm. Last thing, Eric, we had Chris Level on earlier in the program. Uh, he informed us that the building is sold out tonight. Texas Tech Iowa State in front of a sellout crowd. You know, yeah, and this will be the third game over 14,000. Uh, all three of their league games. The last several times we've been here, it's a beautiful arena. There hasn't been a soul in the upper deck, mm. not not one person. Wow. So I think they're excited about what Chris Beard has done. And obviously the, the, the great tournament run they had last year, second in the league as well. So uh, I think they're buying in here. And it's, it's the second largest school in the Big 12, so they've got plenty of students. If they, if they can get them interested, uh, it can be a tough environment. But, yeah, it's... It's kind of crazy how the league has gone from Texas Tech being, you know, a really tough place to play in terms of uh, the crowd, and then you look at a couple other places like Oklahoma State where it used Yeesh. to be unbelievably right. tough, and now it's not. So things are cyclical. I guess the one thing that's great is you know, at Hilton Coliseum, it's not really cyclical. They're there all the time. It never changes. Great stuff. Thank you, Eric. Appreciate you coming on. All right. Hey, congratulations on your new gig, guys. Thank you my very Thanks, much, Eric. my friend. I appreciate the kind words. Good to talk to you. Eric Heft, color analyst for Iowa State. You can hear the game. Pre-game, I'm guessing, 7. Ball in the air at 8 o'clock. Uh, we're down the hall on 100.3, the bus. Uh, so he kind of threw cold water on the Lindell Wigington start. He said he would be surprised if that's the case. They're keeping it a secret. Ah, That's my theory, and I'm sticking to it. Iowa State keeps it close. I will lose this tonight. I agree with you. We're on the same page. Yes. Go the opposite way. When everybody's going one way, you go the other way. Uh, Mark Morehouse is going to be here tomorrow. Alex Halstead is going to be here tomorrow. Hopefully Jimmy B will chime in for a few (laughs) minutes uh, as we uh, take a look forward to Thursday. We haven't even touched the NFL games. We'll do that tomorrow. Thank you for being with us. It's Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO.